Amen. Hello. <laughs> no, this isn't Star Wars. Stop it. Stop it. Well, it's good to be back home. I was in Israel for two weeks. We, we actually spent a lot of time in the desert. You don't want to be in the desert. Um, they are, how long were the Israelites in the desert? 40 years, right? I was in the desert in an air-conditioned bus, and a day was pretty good for me. But, um, so, obey. You don't want to go to the desert. Sermon over. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, also, I, I just got to say that time of praise and worship, uh, singing is a part of following the Lord. So just get used to it, you know. Um, you're going to be doing it now. You're going to be doing it probably forever. Uh, you're going to join with the angels. We're all going to be saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So uh, if singing really isn't your thing, um, practice, you know, just you're going to be doing it forever. So let's get good at it now. Um, this, this trip that I went on, I'll, I'll be speaking on it for years to come, probably the rest of my life. It was truly a life-changing experience. Expanded my knowledge of who God is. I, I, I thought several times while I was there, though I, I am thankful for the Holy Spirit, you don't have to go to Israel or Jerusalem to know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I think that's pretty special where, you know, we don't have to go to this, you know, place where uh, you meet with the Lord. That um, the Holy Spirit actually has done a really good job of revealing himself. Isn't he good at revealing himself? And what's special about going to somewhere like Israel is it really just confirms all the things you already knew. Uh, there wasn't anything like, oh, well, that's who Jesus is, or oh, that's who Jesus is. There was knowledge, there was information, there was confirmation, but um, I, it wasn't like, oh, I really didn't know Jesus. No, I knew Jesus, um, but now I've been to where he was born and where he died and where he rose again. By the way, the, the tomb's still empty, so just in case you were wondering. Depending on, you know, there's a lot of different places that claim to have been the place where different events took place. If you've ever been there, I don't know if you have or not, but wherever that event took place, they built a church there. So there's a church on every place. Um, yeah, religion is pretty uh, heavy over there. Uh, I love Jesus. Religion, I, I'm a part of it. Uh, I'll honor it, but I'm not going to worship it. And there's a lot of worshiping of religion over there. But uh, praise the Lord for the Lord. It was cool. We um, got to see all the different places that Jesus was and where Paul was. You saw where maybe Paul was on uh, trial. Uh, you saw where Peter was. You saw uh, kind of the area where Cornelius would have been. You know, all these different amazing events that happened. I snorkeled in the Red Sea. That's uh, kind of fun. Floated in the Dead Sea. You can't sink in the Dead Sea, by the way. It's impossible to sink. I know that's hard to consider. I remember in my biology classes at the University of Wyoming, they'd tell me that. I, I couldn't believe it. But once you pop into that thing, you just can't sink. It is the funnest thing. I have pictures of me on my belly with my legs out of the water and my hands out of the water. You just float in that thing. Pretty cool. Saw the Jordan River. Was actually baptized in the Jordan River. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, sea of Galilee. I went kayaking in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, didn't see Jesus walking on water while I was there, but look, that would have been cool. Are you a ghost? 
It was good. Um, it's just really, really good. I'm, I'm not going to try to share all of it today. Again, I'll be talking about it probably for decades. Um, might as well tell you now, uh, I'm going to try to take a group over there. Um, so I, I was talking to a pastor up in Seattle, talking to a pastor in Squim, and we're all you know fairly small churches, and if we joined together, we think we could get a group over there. It would probably be November of 2018, uh, so it's a ways away, but uh, if you were to go, you'd have to save some money uh, to be able to go. But um, we're going to talk a little bit, see if that works out, talk to our councils, pray, you know, see if there's confirmation on that. But just in case you were ever having that on your bucket list, uh, we might be doing that. Well, it's crazy how it works. Um, God is really crazy in a lot of ways because he works outside of our natural mind. Like a lot of times he works outside of the box that we put him in. And so we had decided to do baptisms before, before I went on the trip. We're, Wayne and I were talking about like, let's do baptisms on May 7th. And then while I'm on the trip, they talked about baptisms again and again and again. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that we're doing baptisms today. And, and as a Christian, you know, we know that we're supposed to get baptized. And when you're in the Holy Land, this whole idea of baptisms, it really comes alive. Pastor Steve, many of you come from Northwest Church. You've heard Pastor Steve talk about baptisms. He does a phenomenal job talking about baptisms and why we get baptized. Our tour guide, who they say is one of the best in, in the land, and, and that's who we're actually trying to get for 2018. Uh, he talked a lot about baptisms. And so I'm going to share from Steve, Mickey, uh, our tour guide, and then of course what the Bible has to say about baptisms. And, and as I was putting this together, by the way, I got home yesterday and there's a 10 hour difference. So it is, uh, what would that be? Uh, 7 p.m. right now. So uh, it's time for dinner. But, uh, <laughs> but really, as we share uh, today, whether you've been baptized before, you've never been baptized, whether you've heard everything about it before, or you've never heard anything about it before, my prayer, and I believe this will happen today, is that baptisms will come alive like never before. I, I just hope that it, we all leave this place just in awe of God, of Jesus, and what it means to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Anyone know where that phrase comes? Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Other than religion, where does that come from? What, what, uh, what gospel? Matthew, yeah. Anyone know what chapter? 28. That's right. Matthew chapter 28. He says, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right? You've heard that before. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. And so he commissions the disciples. He says, disciples, I need you to go out and you're going to make more disciples. And by the way, we're still on the legacy of that, aren't we? We, we continue. We know that someone else was a part of telling us about Jesus and, 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 and we're disciples of Jesus and now we're telling other people about Jesus and now there's more disciples of Jesus. And part of being a disciple is you've been baptized. And most of us probably in this room, we've been baptized, right? And, and probably baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I hope you noticed in Matthew 28, there's another part of being a disciple. Some of us aren't really big fans of this part, but it says that being a disciple, you obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Did you catch that part? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I just want to, real quick, I just want to say something about that. Obeying Jesus, there's a lot of talk about obeying Jesus. Uh, clear things up. It doesn't get you saved, right? It doesn't. Obeying Jesus doesn't forgive you of your sins. 
Obeying Jesus doesn't get you to heaven. How do you get forgiveness of sins? How do you get saved? How do you get to heaven? Yeah, it's by faith, right? By believing in Jesus Christ. In not your works, right? Not something that you've done, but who did the work? Jesus did the work. That's how you get to heaven. The only way these things happen is by faith. But I hope you understand that also if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a disciple of Christ, your greatest desire, one of the strongest things within you, should be to what? To follow him and to obey him. Right? If you're a disciple, you don't have to have a debate about it. Right? You don't have to write books about it, whether you have to obey or not. As his disciple, you love him. And as someone who loves him, your strong desire that just wells up within you should be what? Obedience. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And I I just got to be honest, I've been stumped by how many Christians I meet. Um, No one at this church, of course. But they... They wear the name tag, right, of being a Christian, and yet the attitudes and their actions, their life just is not submitted to Jesus' teachings. The obedience isn't there. And I think for anyone who calls himself a Christian, you need to have those times of honestly examining your life. You just got to ask yourself, Lord, you know, am I, am I just giving him lip service? Am I just going through the motions? Am I kind of just picking and choosing what I want to follow, you know, what parts I want to believe in? Or am I truly wholly surrendered to him, obeying him, following him? And as your pastor, I can't answer those questions for you. By the way, your family can't answer those questions for you. Your spouse can't answer those questions for you. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they can't answer that question for you. The only one that really knows the answer to that question is you and also the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. And And by the way, the answer to that question is really important. But at the end of the book, there's this thing, the Great Commission, right? You heard of the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus sends out his disciples. Part of being a disciple is to obey his commands, but also it's to get baptized. Now, before I explain baptism and the baptism that most of us in this room have taken part in, I just want to go back a little bit, go back in time, see where baptism, this idea of baptism comes from. Because I was kind of laughing about it. Let's be honest. In 2017, it is a little hard to get our minds wrapped around this idea of baptism, right? The normal day-to-day life. Like, and I'm talking about in America, how you live your life every day to squeeze baptism into our life. It can be a little ridiculous. In fact, just try to explain this to your Christian or non, I, I guess, non-Christian friend. Like, have you ever tried to explain church to your non-Christian friend? But then throw baptism into it. Because you, you could say, yeah, well, and we come together and we sing songs. Well, people sing songs outside of church. So your friend would be like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then uh, a person comes up and they talk for like 30 minutes to you know, two hours or however long they speak. And, and like, okay, I've been to school. You know, I've heard someone lecture before. Oh, and, and then we also have coffee and, and we also serve some uh, bis, you know, like treats and stuff and snacks. Oh, well, I've eaten before and had coffee. So <laughs> this is great. Oh, oh just one more thing. Uh, we put a swimming pool uh, <laughs> in, the, in the room. But we don't swim in it. You know, someone takes you, and they hold you, and then they put you all the way under the water. They chant a phrase while they're doing it, and then they bring you out, right? And you're like, what? What? You, you do what? Right? It's, I mean, if you've grown up in the church, we've normalized it, right? If you've been a Christian, it's just part of the gig. But, I mean, you've got to kind of think about it. I mean, it's a little strange. Well, let's see what's going on here. I, I want to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. Um, what faith did Jesus belong to? Was he a Christian? No. Who, he was Jewish. 
He was Jewish. What faith did most of the people that Jesus ministered to belong to? Jewish. Jewish. Absolutely. And the Jewish people, they had what we call a mikvah. Everybody say mikvah. Mikvah. It was used for ceremonial washing. It was these ritual baths. It, if you were ritually unclean, you know, maybe uh, touched a dead person, maybe stepped in something you shouldn't have stepped in, whatever happened to make you unclean, you had to go into this mikvah, you went in unclean, you came out of it clean. One side unclean, came out of the other side clean. In fact, I think I have a picture of a mikvah here. Okay, here's one. This one, and just keep it on this one. This one is actually at the temple, uh, right below the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And if you were going to go into the temple of God, you would go into a mikvah. You'd actually go in a pool down further below the city of David, wash in that pool, then you'd come up, and then you would uh, ceremonially uh, become pure in this mikvah. And the, there was this gate. Uh, I think I have a picture of this gate. Here's me standing outside these gates um, going up into Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that, uh, the meaning of that in a couple of weeks. But uh, the men uh, of Israel, you were commanded to go three different times uh, to the temple for three different festivals, Passover, the festival of weeks, the festo festival of booths. And on the way up, so these are the southern gates, on the way up, there was a couple hundred of these mikvahs, if you can imagine that. In fact, all the way down to the city of David, which the city of David isn't very big, it, and it goes up to this temple. They said there's almost around 400 of these mikvahs on the way up to this temple gate. And uh, so there's a mikvah. There's a, I have another picture of a mikvah. This one, this one is actually um, uh, the Essenes. Anyone heard of the Essenes from Jesus' time? Uh, remember the Dead Sea Scrolls? Right, that were found back in the, the 40s, uh, Qumran. Uh, the Essenes were out there. They were a really uh, devout religious sect. Uh, they used the mikvah every day. They said every day you had to ritually uh, purify yourself in these mikvah. I also have another picture of a mikvah. This one's kind of fun because, um, let's see, this one, uh, pretty cool because it was found in Magdala. And Magdala was just found, at first excavated in 2009. Isn't that wild to think about? That after all these years, that something like a town would just be found seven years ago. Uh, Magdala, that might, like, oh, I think I kind of, what could Magdala mean? We know someone very famous from Magdala. Mary of Magdalene. That's her hometown. Who knows? She might have even used that mikvah. So here we are, these mikvahs, a ritual bathing. It was a part of the Jewish life. It was just a normal part of Jewish life. But then this guy named John the Baptist comes along. Remember the John the Baptist? Why did they call him the Baptist? No, not because he was Baptist. Who said that? Because he baptized people, yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's because he baptized. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of sleep, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because he, he baptized people. <laughs> but John does something amazing. I, and I hope we understand this. He changes this idea of immersing yourself in the water. He changes it from ritual cleansing, and he changes it, transforms it into now a baptism of repentance, right? 
John does a baptism of repentance, Matthew 3.11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. Uh, Paul talks about this in Acts. He says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. So his baptism was all about repentance. It had to do about preparing the way for the Messiah to come, right? Preparing the way of Jesus. But then one day, something happens again. Another transformation. This submersion into water. And its meaning is changed. And this time it's changed forever. You find the details of this in Matthew chapter 3. And I just want to read this chapter for you. And, and you can kind of see the shift that occurred. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But then he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. He said to them, Welcome. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> no, he says, You brood of vipers. Wow. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That's an amazing line right there. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened up. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, who's that voice, by the way? The Father, right? This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So lots going on in that scene. I don't have time to cover it all today. But I hope you understand for what we're trying to talk about today is that Jesus comes in. He gets baptized. And when he gets baptized, he changes this idea of going into the water. He changes it once again. So you have this mikvah, a ritual cleansing. John changes it into a baptism of repentance, preparing the people for Jesus. But now Jesus comes on the scene. He changes it again. And how cha Jesus changes it, that's what should perk our interest, right? Uh, what Jesus does, that's what we want to know today. It matters because when you go in here, we've never called it a mikvah, right? This is not the uh, hot tub mikvah. You know, this is, this is not also, by the way, this is not John's baptism, right? We don't say, I baptize you in the name of John, right? This is not uh, John's baptism. Now, repentance is a good thing. Hallelujah, right? Repentance is a good thing. Uh, often, repentance does take place when you get baptized. Uh, that can be a part of it. But the main thing that's going on here when you're baptized, we need to understand this. A major shift happens. Before I answer that question, I want to ask another simple, simple question. Not to trick you. Is Jesus' baptism at the beginning of his roughly three-year ministry or at the end of his 
ministry years? Beginning or end? Beginning. Beginning. So it's before the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, before uh, the miracle in Cana. It's the beginning. So hold that thought. It's in the beginning. One of the first messages I preached as senior pastor was way back in September 2012. I think it might have been even the first. And the, the title of the, the message was The King Who Willingly Laid Down His Life for Us. I know you don't remember that message. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But The King Who Willingly Laid Down His Life for us, willingly. There's several moments in Jesus' ministry years where you see that Jesus is willingly laying down his life. Uh, it's this idea of him choosing to lay down his life. It reminds you of John chapter 10, verse 18. What does he say? Remember that? He says, no one takes my life from me, right? But I lay it down on my own accord. His baptism, if we can think through this, his baptism is one of those moments. He's telling John, he's telling everybody, I am willing, willing to do the will of the Father. So John, bury me. Bury me. Baptize me. Bury me. Bury me. Bury me. He's showing all of us what he has to do for our sins. And it's beautiful. It's glorious. Jesus tells John to baptize him, to bury him in the waters. But then he comes out of the water, right? Remember what happens next when he comes out of the water? This beautiful scene, picture of love and relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was opened up. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. A voice from heaven says, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. The NLT says, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. I mean, this is powerful, church. It's a powerful moment in Scripture where Jesus is willingly obeying His Father out of His love for the Father, out of His love and the joy that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all experience, have experienced forever and ever. You see Jesus obeying the Father, choosing to die. And because of this choice of Him willingly dying and saying, John, bury me, because of this choice, He's turned baptism into a burial. Who else talks about baptism being a burial? Apostle? Paul, yeah, Paul says several times that baptism is a burial. And in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, he says that we have been buried with Jesus in baptism. In Romans 6, he says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, we have been baptized into his death, into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism, where? Into death. You're like, I don't know if I like this. this isn't, where's the You Are Good song? Buried <laughs> through baptism into death. Praise the Lord, there's not a period there, there's a comma. Aren't you happy for the comma? It says, but Christ did not stay. He was instead what raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that all of us who believe in Him, we too might walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. But see, here's the great thing about baptism for all of us. That yes, we are buried through Him, through baptism to death, but Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we might walk in newness of life. That's good news. That's a great thing. But I hope we understand before we get into the newness of life part that we are buried with Him. Yeah. In our baptism, it's so important that we get this. We identify with Christ's burial. In fact, as Christians, most of us understand that Christ is in us, Right? Christ is in us. That's kind of like, yeah, Christ is in us. But we also, hopefully, we understand that as much as Christ is in us, don't you know that we are in Christ? Have you heard that? 
that we're in Christ. We're hidden in Christ. Paul says, you died, and your life is now where? It is hidden with Christ in God. He says in, Col- in Galatians, he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, you have now clothed yourselves with Christ. So we're hidden with Christ. We're clothed with Christ. And in our baptism, we need to get this church, in our baptism, we're declaring, I am in Christ. I'm hidden in Christ. And so as Christ died, guess what? Who else has died? Yeah. Does that make sense? As Christ has died, I have died. I am being buried with Christ, a baptism into His death. Now why would you want to identify with Christ in that way. Why would you want to identify into his death? Well, it's obvious because we know that Jesus' death is not the end of the story, right? Jesus' death is not the end of the story. He doesn't stay in the grave. We celebrated Easter a couple of weeks ago. What does Easter celebrate? His resurrection. That's right. He's not in there anymore. In fact, I visited a couple empty tombs. There's two of everything in Jerusalem, by the way. Here's one of the ones I was at, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Uh, there's one option. I have another option here. Uh, hey, he's not there. He's, he's not in the grave. He rose from the dead. Don't you love celebrating that on Easter, right? Uh, it's just this beautiful thing. The tomb is empty. He's not in the tomb any longer. And so if there's anybody that you would want to identify with, right? So maybe I could be like, oh, I, I want to identify with Paul, or I want to identify with, you know, Cephas, or I want to identify with Apollos. You know, who, who do I want to identify? Who do I probably want to identify with? I probably want to identify with the one who, yes, he died. Everybody dies, by the way. But he's the one who actually conquered death and rose three days later. I'm identifying with that guy. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Let's say it together. So we too might walk in newness of life. So baptism is pretty important, isn't it? Pretty important. It's our way of, of being a follower of Christ to tell the world, to tell ourselves, even tell our Lord, guess what? I believe. I believe. I have faith. I believe. I believe that Jesus laid down His life as the perfect Lamb of God to take away our sins. I believe that Jesus died so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe that He didn't stay in the grave, that He rose again. And as He rose again into life, I have the hope of rising into eternal life as well. And so it's this public declaration. Pretty powerful. I mean, let's be honest. This is a powerful declaration of my belief and my faith in Jesus. And in this country, for, most part, for the most part, this celebration, this ceremony, it's pretty safe, right? It's a pretty safe ceremony. But don't you know, maybe you've read the articles, read the books, that in many parts of the world, this is a death sentence. I, I hope we understand that. That identifying with Christ in many parts of this world, uh, even if you don't die, there's a good chance you're just going to be abandoned by your family. You will be ostracized from your family, ostracized from your community. It is a huge deal uh, to be baptized and to identify with Christ. So hopefully we get that. Baptism means something, right? It's not just empty ritual. It's not just being a really religious person. It's not just some religious ceremony. And again, I saw plenty of religion in Israel. But that's not what baptism is. It's something Jesus commands us to do as His disciple. So when you're ready to truly follow Him, guess what? You're also ready to get baptized. Don't. All the way in. 
fully immersed. You're identifying with his death and then you're bursting forth in a new life coming out of the watery grave. Right? I don't keep you under the water. <laughs> you come out of the watery grave identifying, celebrating the victory over the grave. By the way, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can only get baptized once. Now, there's also nothing that says that you have to get baptized over and over and over. This isn't that mikvah, you know, where the Essenes would get you know, washed again and again and again. Once is great. Once is all you need. Once is hallelujah and amen. You're commanded to get baptized, so please get baptized once, right? At least once. But I've also seen this, and you have too. We've all witnessed this, where the Lord will grip a person's heart. Again, a pastor didn't do this. A friend didn't do it. Nobody did. It was just the Lord. The Lord was speaking to this person's heart. And maybe they had been baptized in the past, but there was just this new season where the Lord was speaking. And you just saw it in the person. They, they were ready to run their race like never before. They were ready to just go for it. They had their eyes on the prize. And before they went into the next season, you, you, they got baptized. And maybe it was to get baptized again, but it was just their way of saying, you know, I'm identifying with Christ and I'm moving forward clothed in him. And I think that's great. You don't have to get baptized again, right? But I think if you want to get baptized again, that can be very beautiful. It can be very powerful. Others, maybe you were baptized in the past and you walked away from the Lord and now he's won you back. It's the idea of the prodigal son, right? You ever done that where you kind of go and have a party with the pigs and then you're ready to come back to the father and you, and you come back home, right? That's what that really is. The father embraces your home and you want the world to know I'm home. Right? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm not running away. I'm home. And you want the whole world to know. I'm not running anymore. I am home. That can be very powerful. I, and I've gotten to baptize people that were just like, I'm home. I, I, I'm, I'm not running any longer. All the days of my life. And that's great. Again, but you don't have to. Not a mikvah. You don't have to ritually cleanse yourself again and again and again. You don't have to purify yourself in the water so you can approach God. Somebody already did that, right? Who did that for us? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, you said the blood. That's what happens. You know what cleanses you? The blood. You know what makes you clean before God? The blood. It's a cleansing that comes from Jesus' blood. And so now you're pure and you can approach God. So you don't have to get baptized again. You never, ever have to get baptized again. But if you feel led to be baptized again, I would never stop you from getting baptized again. Because I've seen it. Baptism, it can be this beautiful expression of a heart just surrendered to the Lord saying, I want this next season of my journey to be marked by baptism to say, from this day forward, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. While in Israel, I got baptized in the Jordan River. How cool is that? Right? Baptized in the Jordan River. I was baptized when I was 18. I'm 36. So here it was. Pastor Steve dunked me along with Kelly Putman, who's our sound person today. Her dad uh, also uh, was a part of that. And that was pretty special. And, and Steve, he asked every person who got baptized. He just said, why are you getting baptized? And, and I just, I'm, well, we're good. And I just said, I love Jesus. I'm all the way in. I'm in this till the end. Till my very last breath, I'm going to serve the Lord. And church, then something kind of weird happened. But it's, it, I'll take it, whatever. I go into the water. I came out of the water swinging. 
And Pastor Steve was praying for me. And I was just like this. Like if anyone would have come in front of me right there, they would have gotten decked. Like, I, I don't know how to tell you, church, but God has made me a warrior. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> and I just felt it. The Holy Spirit empowering me, strengthening me for the next leg of my journey. Now, I also got to go on the trip with Sonia Hart. Would you raise your hand, Sonia Hart? Sonia and her son, Scott. And Scott got baptized. Extremely powerful. I don't know about you, Sonia, but I was crying the whole time he was getting baptized. Now, the thing about Scott's baptism is he started laughing towards the end because there was little fish that kept on uh, biting at his feet. I have a picture of these fish. So, see, do you see all those fish? This is where you walk into. And so they were nibbling at his feet the whole time he was getting baptized. So um, I don't think we have any fish. No, no fish in this one. I, I don't know if you have to have the fish to make it official. So I, I, I think we're good. But it, it, was, it was a powerful, powerful time. And again, I'm not going to stop anybody from getting baptized more than once. You don't have to. Once is perfect. But if you feel compelled to get baptized again, I just say, let's, let's go for it. Maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized before. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've come in today and you've been living the best life possible. Right? You know it. You're a good person. You've, you've done and tried your hardest. But you also know you haven't been living for Jesus. You haven't been living your life for your Creator, for the one who made you. In the second chapter of Acts, Peter gives an amazing sermon to a bunch of people who are not followers of Jesus Christ. By the end of the message, many of them know that they need Jesus in their life. Their hearts are gripped by the words that Peter speaks. They know, they realize, I need someone to make me pure. I need someone to save me from my sins. I need someone to forgive me, to even remove my sins from me and to make me clean. And so after Peter had been preaching this this message to these people, and there's thousands of people here, by the way. The Bible says this, when they heard what Peter had said, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, don't you just love this? He says, brothers, what shall we do? Peter says, you know what? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And many people, Thousands of people actually responded to Peter and did what he said. Verse 41 says that those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their neighbor, number that day. Now, this was pretty moving for me. Remember those, I'm at that gate. At the bottom of that gate, you see all those steps. I told you there was going down into the city of David, probably around 400 uh, of those mikvahs. Just right below the temple itself, there's about 50 to 100 of these mikvahs. Many scholars believe that this is where that happened. And I think I have a picture, a picture that's just to the left of the other picture. Um, that wall on the left wasn't there back in the day of Jesus. But many people think this is actually where Peter gave that sermon and that they actually, listen to this, this is pretty cool. They used all those mikvahs to baptize those people. Because you imagine baptizing 3,000 people. That would take you a long time. It wouldn't take quite as long if you're using all of these mikvahs that are already there. And so just picture this scene of 3,000 people walking into the pool, dunking under the pool, coming out, identifying with Christ's death, and walking into newness of life. Pretty cool. Maybe you need that today. 
Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe your heart is being gripped right now and you want to give your life to the Lord. I'd encourage you to do that today. There's no better time than right now to do that. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. You can repent and you can turn from the current way of living. Freely confess your faith in front of all these people. I know it's kind of nerve-wracking, but you can confess your faith and we can baptize you into His death but also into His resurrection. You can leave here today walking in the newness of life that only Jesus Christ can give you. That would be awesome. I would love to celebrate that with you today. And then finally, there might be others of you who have already asked Jesus into your life. He's your Savior. He's your Lord. If you die today, you know where you're going. You're going to go. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to be in paradise. But if for whatever reason, maybe you haven't gotten baptized before. And if that's you, I just say, why not today? Right? Why not? You don't have to. No one's going to force you. I'm not going to make you. But if there's any part of you that maybe is thinking, you know, maybe I should. Well, guess what? The swimming pool in the middle of the church is open. The <laughs> baptismal is open. And I want to leave you with a story. And uh, if the worship team would come up uh, while I'm reading this, it, it's a pretty special story. It comes from the book of Acts. Listen to this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, remember Philip, he says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. This is an extremely powerful story, church. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invites Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch, he says to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with Scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. So the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. As the team sings the song, I just want you to consider if maybe today would be the day for you to get baptized. Here is water, right? What prevents you from being baptized? We brought some towels. Um, we also bought like six or seven shirts. I think they're all larges and extra larges. Uh, if you get dunked today, we'll give you a shirt. If there's too many people, we'll get some more. We only have, I think, uh, one person in this service and one person next service that have signed up to be baptized and it's going to be phenomenal and and I, I can't wait for that but I also wanted to make room I'm just trying to obey the Lord on this one uh, that if there's anyone else that would like to get baptized as well uh, the pool is open here is water what can prevent us from being baptized